Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Cape Sports Now, Cape by Time, this only all-sports podcast. I'm, Matt Go- I'm, I'm Steve Dedarian, alongside Wait, Matt Goisman. We're after a great start. You've done that before. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, let's try that again. I'm Steve Dedarian, alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, we had a great week of games this past mm-hmm. week, and certainly with, uh, with the tournament coming about two weeks from now, yeah. certainly uh, it's going to be really exciting to see how, how these uh, teams shape up. Pretty much. I mean, we're about two-plus weeks away from getting sectional seedings. We've got this week, then we've got next week, and then pretty much the week after Memorial Day, uh, Memorial Day, that's when at the end of the week we'll get seeding. So teams now really want to be having clinched their playoff spots already or at least be within striking distance. We got a bunch of teams that that did just that one way or another last week. Uh, we'll get to a few of them today. We'll start with baseball. So the format, we're using the same one we've done for the last few weeks, best player, best game, upcoming games. Uh, so my player from last week uh, was Chris Beach from Nauset. Uh, the Warriors – they were really needing a week like they had last week where, you know, something that could get them at least back within playoff contention. Yeah, they lost 7-6 to Sandwich. That probably stings a little because that was the clinching game for the ACL title for the Blue Knights. Last year, Nos- uh, Sandwich also won the ACL with a win over Nosset. But even with that, Nosset went 3-1 and one last week. They got a winning record. You know, they're back. They can definitely make the playoffs, you know, with the schedule they have left because of this past week. And Chris Beach was one of the biggest reasons why they're in that position. I mean, he had two games that a lot of players would kill to have these kind of numbers just in a week of games. So against Barnstable, that was last Monday, so a week ago, Beach homered twice. And he went four for four, and he had two doubles, and he had six RBIs, and he scored three runs. And then he put up almost the exact same numbers on Saturday against Hingham. Another homer, which was a three-run shot. Another four-for-four game. Another double. Six more RBIs. Three more runs scored. I mean, players, if they can look back at a week with a homer, four hits, and six RBIs, a lot of them would be happy. So real good week for him. And he's got Nosset feeling a lot more comfortable about his chances to make the future, uh, the playoffs, I think. No, absolutely. And, and the thing with Beach is he's, he's usually – putting up these numbers with people on base too. So it's mm-hmm. a lot harder for other teams to pitch around him yeah. as well. So kind of like you've seen with sandwiches, Tyler Woodica, a lot of times that this guy's on base and there's really nothing you can do with him. You just got to try to pitch with him and hope exactly. that he doesn't get a hold of one. So uh, certainly Beach is certainly turning it on, but credit to those Gnostic guys for getting on base and setting him up. Uh, because he's really bringing those in guys in in clutch situations. Yeah, Nasset is definitely a team that has a lot of guys capable of getting on base. Stephen Kalanick, Mac LaBarge, uh, Kurt Thomas, all guys who have had really great offensive games throughout this season. It's always just a question of getting them to put it all together and pair that with a good pitching performance. And they're starting to get that nice combination that they need uh, and that they're going to need going forward if they want to make the playoffs and then go somewhere in them. And I could see this team being a lot like Fowl, not necessarily sneaking into the postseason, but mm-hmm. having that depth and having that pitching to really make a serious run at things. Because yeah. in baseball, your seed only matters so much. If you get the right pitching matchup on the right Absolutely. day, you can knock off just about anybody. And we saw Falmouth do that run exactly. all the way to the final last year. So 
I could see Nasik kind of being that team that kind of slips under the radar and, and really surprises some team once it gets to the tournament. I think there's definitely that possibility. And like with Falmouth, you know, Falmouth, they had a low seed because they went through a span of about a week and a half where they scored like one run in four games. Their offense really started to click in the playoffs, and they had a bunch of really high-scoring games, and that's how they were going to able to knock off as many like higher seeds as they did. Nasset definitely has that same offensive capability so and decent pitching. So, yeah, there is a chance they could go on the kind of run Falmouth went on last year. Absolutely. So My game of the week was a game I think you covered. I, yeah. It was uh, Bourne beating Seekonk 2-1. You know, that ACL clincher for Sandwich, that was a big deal, but I'm going to go with the one that had a be much better pitching performance. We've talked about Ben Smith a lot, you know, but he had eight strikeouts, a complete game, four hitter. It was his first win of the year. It avenged a 3-2 loss to Seekonk. Jack Neal, Bourne only had two hits, and he had both of them, and they were both RBIs. And you had a bit of a controversy where you had uh, Seekonk, uh, Logan's Casala. He was called out at the plate trying to slide home on a grounder, uh, and the Seacon coach, Joe uh, Mello, loudly disputed it. Would that be a fair way to say no, it? No, I don't think he loudly disputed it. He definitely argued the call. I mean, he, he said he's not someone who likes to shout and stuff like mm -hmm. that, make a scene and get thrown out of the game. Yeah, but he was pretty adamant, and pretty much everybody from the right side to the first base side, mm -hmm. it looked pretty clear and obvious that he had slid under the tag, but umpire was on the other side, and he made the call, and then Seacon, you know, as the Seacon coach said after the game, look, you got to live with it. We sure. didn't produce enough offense. Uh, to win that game, and, and that's a big credit to Ben Smith, the lefty. You know, his teammates were kind of giving him a hard time, especially mm -hmm. after the game. You know, Ben finally got a win <laughs> was a big refrain, but uh, he certainly pitched well. You know, started off, I think, 19 uh, first-pitch strikes and was able to mix in a good fastball, well-placed fastball with a nice breaking ball mm -hmm. that kept a lot of guys off balance with eight strikeouts. So uh, nice to see the lefty get going here, finally get off the snide, so to speak. But he has pitched well, and Bourne has played in so many of these one-run games yeah. that – they're they're pretty used to you know having to not being able to make a whole lot a whole lot of mistakes and and on this day they they did enough where Smith actually scored both runs too mm -hmm. offensively so they were so able to do enough defensively though to hold that lead that they got early on and um, it was a good win for them. You were mentioning mentioning one run games. The game this reminded me the most of just reading your story was uh, the playoff game, the D four South playoff <laughs> game Bourne had last year against St John Paul. So the Lions in that game, they took a late lead when – so one of their base runners got caught in a rundown between uh, third and home, and it appeared like uh, Bourne's pitcher or, or one of the infielders had successfully tagged him out. But the umpire ruled that no tag had taken place, and in the confusion, the St. John Paul was actually able to scamper home and score the go-ahead run, and that ultimately was the game winner. Bourne's fans were – very, very, very angry after that game. So was their coaches. They really believed this was a blatantly bad call. Um, you know, I talked to uh, Ryan Soares, the, the coach for SJP, who was the third, you know, at third base, and he said he didn't see a tag. That's very political of him to say. Mm. Um, I think maybe this was perhaps a bit of karma for that, for, for getting a call a costly call go against them a, a year ago, and maybe this time they picked one up. Yeah, I mean, it's a regular season game. I mean, look, at the it's end of the It's not the same. Yeah, but. at the end of the day, look, 90 9% plus games. We're not even talking about official no, calls. You know not. what I mean? This was just one where it was a bang-bang play and the call didn't go the, the sure. way for Seacock and went the way for Bourne. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, look, on bars on a general, you know, I think around here do a pretty good job because a lot of times mm -hmm. 
they're not the topic of conversation. The players do decide the outcome. So, I mean, this one was a little different. I mean, I think both teams were a little frustrated with the strikes and a lot of low strikes today. Yep. It was going both uh, it was going both ways. So, at the end of the day, coaches really didn't have too much of a gripe. But mm-hmm. certainly, um, you know, there w- it wasn't the best uh, friendly relationship, I guess, going back and forth. So, you know, and, and Bourne, again, I guess, like you said, I mean, maybe they just... Finally got got <laughs> yeah, one back for sure. that, but obviously on a less more important stage because that I lost agree. SJP into their season last year. So that is certainly true. But hopefully, you know, games like this can be a little bit of momentum building for Bourne this year. They've been a little bit, you know, they're seven and six, so they're they're just above five hundred. That'll be good enough to get them in the playoffs. But I think they'd love to be playing a little bit more consistently, you know. And they have a couple of real good uh, South Coast Conference games coming up. They. At Fairhaven today, I would suggest checking Bourne's scheduling site to make sure that game hasn't been postponed. We've not raining right now, but we've had a few postponements already announced. Uh, and then Wednesday, they're at Wareham, you know, one of their traditional rivals. The Canalmen beat Wareham, but it was a 2-1 game earlier this year. They had a bit more of a, a definitive win against Fairhaven. You know, and a South Coast Conference title, maybe not in the cards. It, it would be very hard. It would take probably winning all of their league games left and hopefully a couple of the teams that are above in the standings, like a Poniquit, they'd have to give up some games. They wouldn't be expected to lose, uh, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And this is a good chance for Bourne to keep trying to at least keep pressure on the higher seeds in the uh, league to at least keep winning. All right. Um, in terms of upcoming games, I certainly have a, a bunch of teams that are already in kind of yep. looking to, you know, up their playoff positions. I know, obviously we talked about sandwich, St. John Paul is in Upper Cape, right. Barnstable. And then there's six teams that have anywhere from seven to nine wins. So, you know, between two, one or two, maybe three wins will get them all in. Any of them could clinch with their schedules this week. Tuesday is going to be a really big day for the Cape and Islands League. Uh, you've got seven and five Martha's Vineyard playing seven and four Sturgis East. That's at Lowell Park in Ketuit. And then you have nine and four Monomoy against 13 and two St. John Paul at Mass Maritime in Buzzards Bay. Remember, Monroy beat St. John Paul a month ago, which that's the first league loss in seven years for the Lions. Um, I actually think that Vineyard Sturgis East game is going to be the closer one because I've seen Monroy play. I think they've been dealing with some injuries and are not maybe playing quite as consistently as they were right at the beginning of the season. Uh, the Lions have just rolled everybody since that game except for Silver Lake, which even when they were winning state championships, they weren't being Silver Lake. Silver Lake's a good team and it's much. it's like a D1 school. Um, either way, these are the top four teams in the league. Any chance for one of these teams to gain a bit of ground or breathing room or whatever uh, in the league standings, definitely a welcome one. And it doesn't get easier because Monomoy is at Martha's Vineyard on Friday. So the Atlantic Coast League has already been decided. Sandwich has won it. But the Cape and Islands League is wide open, and this is a big, big week for that league. Absolutely. And then... Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned again on Bourne, and if it's a close game coming up again, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of rematches. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Like like you mentioned before, Aponquit's at the top of that league, and a lot of good pitching throughout yeah, that league it, as well. So it's not. I mean, you never want to abandon goals, but that's going to be a very hard one to meet for them. I think for Bourne, the goal is to just play as well as you can, make the playoffs, and try to earn as high a seat as you can, maybe see if you can play your way to a first-round home game or something like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, so those games are big. Wareham, as I said, 2-1 game. Bourne's only basically a 500 team when they're in these one-run games, but those are what they're going to have to win if they want to go far in the playoffs. So, you know, if they can win these games and, 
even by close margins, that'll build a lot of confidence, I think, moving towards uh, the end of this season. Right. Should turn it over to softball? Absolutely. So uh, my player of the week was Abby Pope from Falmouth. Pope had a terrific couple of games uh, to take this award uh, against Mashpee last Tuesday. She was two for four with a triple, two runs scored. Then uh, in their game on Friday, she was three for five with two triples, a solo home run, and four RBIs. You combine that with more solid pitching from Phoebe Cutter and Molly Bruce, that offense just continues to rake top to bottom. You know, the Clippers have a couple of pretty big games coming up this week. We'll, we'll mention them in a, in a minute or two. They should be, be feeling pretty confident. They're already in the postseason, and if they can pitch and hit the way they have been, they definitely could make a run. No, absolutely, and, and I think we've mentioned this on the show before, is that, yeah, even if they do, they have an upcoming game with D.Y., even if they did lose that matchup, I mean, they're most likely, based on what we've seen in the league this year, mm-hmm. are going to play at least one more time before the playoffs begin in that Cape Cod showdown. So yeah. I'd be very interested to see, um, you know, second, third time around how these teams match up because there's certainly no guarantee when those teams go on the field together. I think yeah. they're pretty close, you sure. know, talent. I mean, Falmouth has already experienced that because they beat Marshfield on the road right. early this season, but then they played them last week and they had one hit, you know, and they got shut out by a lot. So, you know, yeah, it's hard to beat the same team twice. Three times is even tougher. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute, but they've got a big matchup with rematch with DY coming up and we'll see what happens in that. Um, before we get there though, we'll go with the game of the week. Uh, this was Sandwich beating Monomoy 4-3. I mean, we've talked a lot about DUI, Monomoy, and Nantucket. They're pretty much the best three teams on the Cape. Uh, but Sandwich, they're going to pretty much need to win out to make the postseason. It's probably not – I mean, it's possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. That's a real tough task for them. But if anything will motivate the Blue Knights, it should be a win like this. Rain Turley was spectacular in this game. She struck out 11 Gave up just five hits and a walk, and most of that damage came in the first inning. She pretty much outdueled Molly Charest, who had 14 strikeouts and, you know, is one of the best pitchers in the state. On the offensive side, Anne Marie Bernardi was two for three. She scored on a Cali Fortin single in the fifth. That was a big inning for a sandwich. Ashley Landry had the RBI double. Then Emma, with the game tied 3 3, Emma Holdgren walks, scores on a double by Bernardi. Uh, that turns out to be the game-winning run, and then Taylor Howell also goes uh, three for three. Really good, nice win for Sandwich. Great way to make some good positive memories for the seniors on that team in their last year. And we've talked about Rain Turley as as another possible ace in this, you know, on the Cape. The team hasn't quite backed her up the way some of the other aces like Abby Hicks or Molly Charest have gotten but in this time, they did step up for her. Yeah, I mean, this is a sandwich team that's had a tough stretch of things this year mm-hmm. and and still is very young. And I think, as I've mentioned on this show before, still kind of rebuilding for that future. Um, and obviously, Turley not going to be a part of that, unfortunately. But yeah. for the time being, at least you have your go-to pitcher. And, and, and I think Coach Gene Russell is trying to work in some of those younger girls as well. So, um, you know, anytime you can get a win like this over one of the better teams on the Cape is certainly... Um, you know, momentum for those younger players moving forward. However, this is a bit discouraging for modern as we were kind of talking about last week, maybe not as much of a power as it's been the last few years. And I think we even mentioned before that some of that bottom of that lineup hasn't really produced as it has mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. At the, I mean, Sandwich, not the toughest team they're going to face, and to drop this one is probably pretty discouraging. But any team can have an off night. We'll see what happens when they rebound. We'll get to upcoming games right now. They have two really big games this week, and we'll see how they, 
you know, they already bounced back pretty easily against Georgia Seats, but th- these are tough. So normally DY's rematch with Monomoy, which is scheduled for today in Harwich, that would be the one of the top games of the week. It's been the top game of the week on previous episodes of this show. But it's still, at its core, a non-league game between teams in different divisions. And both D.Y. and Monomoy have bigger games coming up this week. So for D.Y., it's Tuesday. They host Falmouth. If they win, they don't lock up the Atlantic Coast League title, but they at, least, at worst, they clinch a share of it, basically. And then they just have to beat Nosset, a team they handled pretty easily to win it outright. Uh, if they lose, they need to win that Nosset game, and then probably they'll share it with at least Marshfield uh, and maybe Falmouth also. Um, so that's a really big game for them. Obviously, it's going to be Abby Hicks and the Dolphins against Molly Bruce and the Clippers. Uh, Falmouth's offense has just been spectacular. You have Pope, as I mentioned, Grace Kwan, Megan Robbins. Many other hit- hitters are all doing really well for them right now. So for D.Y., it's Abby Hicks versus them. Kayla McGaffigan, Ava McGaffigan, Julia Kent, uh, Maddie Medeiros, what can they do against Falmouth? They did win that game earlier this year. So hopefully they can win this and wrap this up. I do think, by the way, those players you just mentioned, mm-hmm. that's their starting infield right there, which yeah. has been spectacular. Almost yeah. their secret weapon this year. Absolutely. And when you combine the center field play of Jesse Frisch. Jesse Frisch has been so good D.Y. In has been very yeah. good defensively behind, po- uh, uh, behind Hicks, yeah. which is something that I think almost kind of goes um, – Unmentioned at times, but Medeiros at the, at the hot corner at third, kind of shortstop, mm-hmm. and I believe it's Kayla at second. Kayla at second, at first. first. So no, absolutely. Um, the defense has been really good, and they've needed it because Hicks is not quite. She's not quite what I would call a strikeout pitcher in the same right. way, say Shares is. She's a very good pitcher. She's great at jamming hitters and getting them to hit grounders. But when you do that, you need the defense to step up behind her. You and they have definitely done that. Um, by the way, congrats to DUI coach Mike Benesia. That was He picked up his 300th career win last week against Pembroke. Benesia's been the coach at DUI since 1988, which, I mean, it's not uncommon for teams to change coaches every two or three years. We see that. Sometimes it's every year there's a new coach for some of the teams on the Cape. So to be there since 88 is ridiculous yeah i say maybe we should add a coach of the week uh coach of the week category for just this occasion just this, yeah just one time <laughs> you think you're certainly get it no great great win for benesia and i just think the positive attitude he has around mm-hmm. that team is really kind of rubs off on his players you know that doesn't mean he doesn't have high expectations for him doesn't mean he takes it easy on them he just he wants his players to go out and have fun and i think when you have the talent and the development that you've had over the years for mm-hmm. that program i think that makes that so much easier that you can kind of you know, work with your players, you know, be on good terms with them. And just really there's this mutual respect there seems like between coaches and players. And that's something that not every program, as you mentioned, has. I agree. He's also really good at recognizing and making everybody understand what every person did to contribute to a win in the game. I've seen that in post-game huddles where, you know, he'll mention, he'll talk about Hicks, of course, if she won, which they, she has pretty much all season or, you know, whoever got the big hits, but, if somebody even just fielded a, a grounder into the outfield pretty well, you know, and somebody in right or left, you know, any of the players that don't get quite as much ink as players like Hicks or Kent, he'll be sure to point them out too as what their contributions were. So he's really good at making everybody feel responsible for the win. Um, you know, the other game that's coming up this week, I said that D.Y. Monomoy game isn't as important for Monomoy either. That's because they've got Nantucket. That's on Thursday in Harwich. These two are likely going to finish first and second in the Cape and Islands again this year. 
this is probably Nantucket's only real chance to catch uh, Monomoy in the league standings because I don't think anybody in the league is going to beat them except conceivably Nantucket. So it's Madeline Lamb and Marina Caspi from Nantucket against you know the Cardillos and Sam Barr and Molly Charest and Caroline DiGiovanni from Monomoy. We'll see who comes out on top. Monomoy has, in the last couple of years and earlier this season, been the better team. So we'll see if uh, Nantucket can can overcome that. All right. Should we flip it over to lacrosse Yeah, let's now? go for Let's it. do it. So I'm going to do what you've done the last couple of weeks. I'm going to actually have to split some of these decisions here in terms of top games, starting with boys lacrosse. Uh, Upper Cape uh, last Monday with a huge 10-9 win over Mashpee. Um, these teams have been real close and competitive, mm-hmm. and Mashby won the first game, but Upper Cape earned the uh, season split with an overtime victory. Uh, Cam Lumsden scored on a nice pass from Chris Morris two minutes into overtime, again, to earn that season split. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Josh Winiarski scored four goals in that game, and after you know entering this week is at 193 total for, uh, for varsity goals. So um, if he doesn't reach that today against uh, Southeastern, South yeah. Um, he should be able to hit that mark, I think, when Upper Cape returns home to play Tri-County on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Again, I think they should be able to play lacrosse. I think lacrosse got a better chance of being played than uh, baseball or softball yeah. today. But, you know, again, we'll, we'll see what happens, what the conditions of those fields are. But, you know, Winnie Archie certainly a great player. We mentioned him a lot in hockey and he's been a very equally good lacrosse player. He's been pretty much playing varsity ever since he got to the school. So. Mm-hmm. You know, he's seen that team take its lumps and um, might be a bit of an outside shot for the team to reach the postseason. They entered this week five and nine. But um, certainly individually, he's been a pretty stalwart athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also we had a great win um, at the end of the week. St. John Paul with a 10-6 victory over Archbishop Williams, also earning a season split. I mentioned this game last week is a good chance for SJP to kind of prove how they've you know gotten better since the start of the year, and they certainly did that. Uh, Mike Sakovich leading the way with six goals and an assist. Uh, Brandon Hyde, fairly new to goaltender, mm-hmm. um, played one of his best games after taking some lumps against Nantucket and Monomoy. I think this will help with his confidence. And then you also have a freshman, Anthony Kent, player who we mentioned in hockey a little bit, uh, chipping in as well. Um, he scored twice in the win over Archbishop Williams, so... The Lions are 8-6 entering this week. They need to win just two of their final five mm-hmm. to get into the tournament. Uh, but that's going to be a tough road. I mean, three of those remaining games, you get one against Nosset, yep. one against Monomoy, one against Martha's Vineyard. Honestly, looking at you know the talent, I think, I think if they win two out of three, that would be great. But ideally speaking, probably just if they can pick off one, mm-hmm. I think they can take that. But their remaining games will be against Sturgis West Falth Academy, two teams I think they're fully capable of defeating. Yeah, I so would expect them to win They should those. get in, but certainly when you talk about where Division Three matches up, mm-hmm. you don't want to just get in and maybe draw Cohasset in the first round yeah, because right. then you're in a really tough spot. Because then you're out, yeah. <laughs> so um, if the Lions can get to 11, possibly 12 wins, that's going to be the most ideal for them. Um, in terms of top player, uh, really impressed with uh, Nick Magoon from mm-hmm. Cape Cod Academy. Um, senior had seven goals and six assists and an 18-8 win over Sturgis West, plus five goals, two assists, and a 13-10 win over Sturgis East. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cape Cod Academy won two or three last week. Yeah. You know, finally, uh, it's starting to show some improvement. You know, we talked a little bit about them last week after they got their first win. And, and being a, an upperclassman, a team full of really young, developing players certainly mm-hmm. isn't easy. But I think he's been able to kind of guide them and get them more playing yeah. a little bit more cohesively and patience is the key I think yeah and, and sometimes yeah he's just gonna have to take over so just give me the ball get out of my way yeah <laughs> you know some there's an element of lacrosse to that obviously with the drives and dodges and stuff like that so um we'll see how they can finish out their season as we mentioned um 
They have rematches against teams like Cape Tech, and mm-hmm. I think in you know four, five, six, maybe even six wins this year certainly would be a nice uh, start for a program in its first full varsity year. Yeah, I agree. Horn's um, got a big week coming up too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the Canalmen enter this week seven and six, but only one of those remaining five games are at home. They had a big stretch at the beginning of the season where they played at home, so mm-hmm. now they get the opposite end of that. Um, they're supposed to visit Hull at six p.m. tonight again, weather depending. I think they should, that game is still on last I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, then they get up uh, play at Nauset on Tuesday, so a couple couple long road trips. Uh, coming up this week, but even if they drop both, they do finish out with Dighton Rehoboth, the team they handled pretty easily earlier in the year. Then they, they're at Mashby, a team they also handle easily, mm-hmm. and then they end the season with the game against Upper Cape, so um, team I think they're fully capable of beating, and if they win those last three, I, that should get them that in. Gets them in yeah. um, Bourne certainly has been tested, though, and the South Coast Conference has been very talented this year, especially with Old Rochester, Fairhaven, Aponiquit, and even Bourne kind of mm-hmm. all duking it out, taking kind of one game from each other. It's very unlikely. I think Bourne's going to rise to the top of the South Coast Conference. They had a close game with Old Rochester, I think 12-10 that they dropped. Mm-hmm. So they got swept by Old Rochester this year. But And, you know, they took their lumps against Sandwich a week ago in the kind of de facto Canal Cup. That was 16-4. to But yep. in that game, it was kind of a nice homecoming for Sandwich's Mike McNeil, who actually coached Bourne's first varsity team back in 2002. So that game was kind of supposed to be their end of the year tune-up. Didn't mm-hmm. work out that way, but they still played it. And um, Sandwich again continues to roll, especially with Tim Ladner taking those face-offs. Just been unbeatable. I think went 14 for 14 in a game uh, last week. So um, he's certainly been impressive. And one more note on that Canal <laughs> de facto Canal Cup. Uh, uh, I had heard that a uh, Bourne student got into a little bit of trouble for trying to bring the actual Canal Cup to uh, <laughs> to the lacrosse game. Uh, Bourne won the hockey Canal Cup. Yep. Um, I'll, for that student's sake, I'll leave their name out of it, but you know, certainly that rivalry runs deep between those two schools. Yeah. Um, but certainly, a, a, an interesting, uh, you know, story there and kind of cool to see those two teams play given how much, um, you know, hype kind of goes into that hockey game. Yeah. And potentially they could see each other again in the playoffs. I mean, maybe not sandwich. Maybe no, sandwich is division two, I believe. D2. Yeah. So it always gets confusing because there's different yeah. divisions per sport. So your enrollment might make you D2, D3, right. whatever. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a good local rivalry and I don't know why it wouldn't be called the canal cup in any sport. I mean, it could be that for softball. So, well, I, I mean, it's called the canal cup, obviously in hockey, cause they right. share the building. They share yeah. the gallo arena no, which that is right on the canal, but you know, given where both schools are, I mean, sure. not far off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big kind of layout this week in, in terms of girls across, mm-hmm. um, Definitely, I have to split again this one because last Monday we had not one but two games decided in double overtime. Mm-hmm. We had DY getting its second win of the year with a 5-4 win over Middlebrough. Yep. Uh, Brandy Valine scored the winner while uh, Gina, Gia Cataldo, who we've talked a lot about, mm-hmm. is kind of emerging, um, scored a tying goal late in the second half. Uh, Shannon Donahue had two goals in that game. And it was very kind of a strange game, one nothing at halftime. That's yep. very rare you see in lacrosse. Yeah, 5-4 is a really low score, and especially girls lacrosse, where it's harder to force turnovers because if you get close to them, it's a penalty. You give up a free shot. So 5-4, as much as those players get credit for scoring, the defense DY played, I feel like, is just as much a part of the story. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that could have been turnovers too. That, you, know? Yeah. you don't want to necessarily point to one thing because we weren't there for that one, but... Um, certainly not something you see every day, but mm-hmm. you know, kudos to DY. You know, they'll they'll take any victory they can get. Absolutely, this is a nice kind of inspiring one for them. Um, Nosset, though, team battling for playoff position, uh, gets a 
gets a win over Plymouth South during the season sweep. Uh, Matty Daly, Nossett's go-to all year, got the winner for the Warriors, um, who again got some superb goaltending from Isabel Travers. She mm-hmm. stopped a couple of direct shots in overtime uh, to deliver Nossett to the victory. And Daly and Melissa Edney each scored three goals. So, you know, Nossett 8-6 now. They should be able to finish strongly. Uh, three of its four remaining opponents are of its remaining opponents are teams that's already beaten this mm-hmm. year. Um, so Nasser should get it in, and I think this is a team could make things a little bit interesting um, when they get in. They'll be playing in Division One, so that's going to be a bit of a tough uh, battle for them. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but an honorable mention, I have to go for St. John Paul as well. Uh, slim 8-7 win over Archbishop Williams, three goals from Victoria Butler. Uh, Lions with three for th- uh, won three of their three games last week and have now won four in a row and uh, really emerging into a solid team. Mm-hmm. They definitely should get into the tournament. And you saw it with their comeback effort against Falmouth Academy. It's a very talented team that you know wouldn't be an easy draw either. I just think they're hoping that they can get a home game in that first round and um, see where they end up in the bracket. Um, speaking of St. John Paul, I'm going to say my top player was uh, Haley Tierney. Um, at eight goals, 11 assists over those three games this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was instrumental in handing St. John Paul um, a 15-11 uh, rallying victory over Nantucket on the island. That was that arguably could have been a top game as yeah. well. You know, the Lions trailed 6-3 early in the first half, but then they scored four straight uh, to take the lead at halftime. And they trailed 11-10 late, and then they scored four more to close it out. So uh, Tierney, Victoria Butler, been a great scoring combo, but uh, Melissa Van Cott, uh, Ella Bartolome have also been really solid mm-hmm. for the Lions this year. So, um, you know, this is a team that's been pretty strong. And, you know, given given some of the matchups that they've been able to play this year and the league that they play in with Marcus Wiener and Falmouth Academy, mm-hmm. they're certainly battle-tested. In terms of games coming up, I feel like one of the big ones today, non-league, but, I mean, sandwich at Old Rochester, that that's an exciting matchup, right? Yeah, so these teams are going to play twice again. This is actually the first time they're going to play. They're going to play again on the 29th mm-hmm. as that kind of t- final tune-up yep. for the postseason. So these teams won't see each other in the playoffs. Old Rochester Division One sandwiches two. Mm-hmm. However, um, this is a two-loss Bulldogs team that is very good. They made it to the Division One sectional semifinals last year. Um, Sandwich is coming in with six straight wins, though, and Sam Garassi leading the way with 38 goals, 10 assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Moni's 19 goals, 12 assists, and uh, Knox, Knox, 25 goals this year, and Tatum LaRochelle, 19 goals. So Oof. this is a very solid offense, almost arguably even stronger than the Sandwich Boys offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but Old Rochester College with Megan Shea, who's been outstanding this year. She had seven goals in a 10-minute span against Fairhaven uh, this past week. But, uh, you know, Sandwich has clinched the ACL with a perfect league record, so now this is a perfect chance to kind of see where you stack up mm-hmm. against some really solid competition off Cape. So I think this is a perfect tune-up on the road for Sandwich to just go prove, hey, wh- what can we do here? Mm-hmm. And then obviously they'll come back right before the seedings come out and play again. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, and then the matchup we were kind of talking about in the beginning of the year, Falmouth at Falmouth Academy Girls Lacks, uh, 4 p.m. Thursday. This is a matchup I think we really wanted to see last year. Yeah, last year would have been more interesting. But even this year, I still think it's a really good matchup. And I'm very anxious to see how Falmouth's Quinn O'Rourke, mm-hmm. kind of their top scorer, Top draw taker is going to match up with Falmouth Academy's Ainsley Ramsey, who does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is their go-to draws are obviously going to be crucial as they are on lacrosse, but I really think this is going to come down to which team can make more stops defensively and turn the ball over and and get the ball back to their offense. Um, my hunch is to say that Falmouth has a little bit of an edge just based on who they play in, the, in their talent. Um, 
you know, players like Lindsey Bossman is going to play on the next level, for mm-hmm. example, is going to be really solid in the midfield. I think can kind of command that against South Academy's young defense, but certainly not a guarantee. And when these teams scrimmaged in the preseason, South Academy apparently had a little bit of an edge. So, be very interesting to see how this shapes out on Thursday. Yeah, this this matchup is one that doesn't usually work in almost any sport, just because of the the enrollment size differences in the schools. So it would be very odd, for instance, for FA and Falmouth to play each other, say, in boys basketball or maybe any of the boys sports, it would be pretty lopsided. Girls basketball with Kendall Kearns would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did that a couple of years ago. They did the um, – it's a special name for those kind of games because it doesn't count on your record. Yeah, I think you have to give the money to, to share endowment game or something like that. They did it once. Unfortunately, a Falmouth player got hurt and was lost for the p- playoffs, so I think that kind of put that particular right. game to rest. Uh, so – you know, it's cool when they can make this happen. Hopefully they get a good crowd at that game. Um, you know, F.A.'s got a real nice lacrosse field. So, um, Speaking of F.A., one thing I wanted to toss in real quick. So Jane Early, we talked about her a lot, graduated last year, second highest scorer in U.S. and state history. So she's up at Middlebury now. Uh, she scored at least one goal yesterday. Middlebury, the women's lacrosse team there, they won their second-round NCAA game, so they are now in the regional semifinals. Uh Back in the fall, Eliza Van Voris, another former FA lacrosse and soccer and basketball player, led uh, Middlebury to the national championship game. So Mariners just going up to Middlebury and having real good seasons for them. So we'll see how far early can uh, help uh, can help take the Panthers this year. And then when they get Addie Heyman next year, could go even deeper. Yeah, no, it's certainly been uh, – FA alumni have certainly really excelled. And I just mentioned Current. She had yeah. an outstanding season at Northeastern, yeah, as we talked about in the winter. So – um, kudos to all them for, for having some really good success. Yeah, it's, you know, FA is a very, very small school and to see those kids go on and have strong athletic, you know, careers at the next level against athletes that are probably coming some of them from 2000s kids schools. That's really cool. Right. And it's not like it's an ISL thing. Like we mentioned, the McGaffigan's going to Tabor Academy. You know, right. they are playing the public schools and stuff like that. So yeah. it's not like, you know, these are specific schools designed to churn out athletes. You exactly. Know? It's still very, you know academically challenging and mm-hmm. whatnot so but that's beside the point um so we switched over to tennis a little bit yeah let's wrap it uh hit that real quick before we uh, wrap it up yeah so um even though sunday yesterday was washed out you know i was able to catch some of the boys tournament saturday at barcelona high school i uh, keep cod academy also co-hosted the first round of the miaa individual boys tournament so i was kind of stationed at marshall high school and i was particularly impressed with oliver prantis wrote a little bit about him uh the undefeated freshman from sturgis west Certainly seems to have a little bit of talent beyond his years. Mm-hmm. Ta- a bit taller than you know your average freshman too, but certainly I was really impressed with his stroke. You know, crossing up opponents with a spin on his serve, um, just putting the ball where it really needs to be. Just really good court presence, and um, you know I think he can certainly make a run of this. Although mm-hmm. as we mentioned before the show, all roads will likely end with Dartmouth's Trevor Schwartzman, um, who's a monster player from Dartmouth. You know, who's just. He won it all. He won this tournament last year and is back this year. Seems to be just as strong, if not solid. I think he even broke the school record for wins. I think this past week. Mm-hmm. So um, he's having an outstanding season. But you know, it was a little odd in the tournament. You know, the way it was seeded. Chris Sorry from Marcus Vineyard, the number two seed, while Prantis was number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prantis did win head to head when they played when these teams played in the regular season. But you know. According to the UMass Dartmouth head coach, Carson uh, Rathliff, who was in charge of kind of facilitating this event and overseeing it, he said Ferry's coach simply vouched for him more. So mm-hmm. um, not to say that Ferry's not a good player. You know, he 
you know, had some impressive wins over the weekend. But, you know, it, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. And it'd be interesting to see if these two guys could somehow play again. But again, Schwartzman might have something to say with that, uh, depending on where he ends up in the bracket. But, um, you know, it, it, it was a good matchup. And you saw a couple other local guys, Barstool's Trevor Blaze, who was number six. Um, he was also a rising star selection this past week. So it was a good week for him. He mm-hmm. was able to advance to the next round, as was Nossett's uh, 10 seeded Ben Garside therein. But I was also impressed unseated Everett Abramson from Sandwich. Um, also got through with two victories. So always kind of cool to see those unseated guys get through and uh, get to play a little bit of extra tennis mm-hmm. in this tournament. Um, and then the doubles team is kind of a cool story with uh, Nossett's Austin Hirschberger and Robbie Wright. They won their doubles match, um, even though they played the same Barnstable team that handed them their first loss on Monday prior. So mm-hmm. they got a rematch with them Saturday and ended up beating them in straight sets. So there you go. nice little kind of comeback story for them. But also to mention the tournament, it's a little bit smaller of a field this year, as we were talking about before. Only 49 boys were entered, so there were a lot of first-round buys. And especially for Prantis, there was a lot of waiting around in the morning. But you know, a lot of these guys, once they get on the court, they still take care of business. Mm-hmm. So um, not a 64-player field, but still plenty of talent, I think, loaded in this tournament. And then play should be back at Barnesville High School this Saturday, kind of picking up where they left off. Sure. So. The girls' tournament will pick up at uh, Old Rochester uh, in Mattapoisin on the South Shore. You know, we've got Kelly Claren, Lindsay McDonald, Kelly Claren from Martha's Vineyard, Lindsay McDonald from Monomoy. They're going to play each other uh, when the girls' tournament resumes. Claren's the top seed in, in the South. I don't think anybody's too surprised by that seeding. No, not at all. I mean... But then you also have right behind her, Olivia Burler of Barnstable. I'd yep. be really interested to see if those two could end up playing each other. Most likely that would be in a final scenario, but you never know. Uh, you have fifth-seeded Gabby Dodoli, also from Nosset, very talented player. And then you got the top-seeded uh, doubles team of Reagan Meehan and Aquina Rink, also from Nosset. So, you know, this Cape is really well-represented, I think, all around, though, mm-hmm. when you look at these two tournaments. Um, so, good athletes, you know, again... We'll, get, we'll hopefully we'll get to see some athletes emerge from this thing, but you know there's also a team element too that kind of picks up after this. You saw Nasset boys mm-hmm. win an ACL title over Sandwich, right. so a lot of big things happening in the sport this week. And whatever happens this weekend isn't the end of the South tournament. They've got another weekend they have to play. Hopefully next weekend to pick the South, you know, the sectional champions, and then they'll all be at St. John's in Worcester the weekend after the state tennis tournaments, team tennis tournaments are wrapped up. Uh, to finish off the individual tournament. So it's kind of a weird staggered schedule. Uh, but, you know, if you can't see it this week, the best players will still be around next week uh, at these same sites. Right. And a cool thing on the boys tournament, too, you also saw Nantucket at this thing. Nantucket in a first-year varsity boys program. Um, Luke McKay ended up getting a win. So it was nice nice to see them represented there. Doubles team played well against Plymouth North top-seeded team. So, mm-hmm. you know, nice little showing for the Whalers who were, you know, trying to make their impact and trying to factor in the Cape and Islands League going forward. Sure. I'll finish up with track real quickly. I um, just want to hit a few things here of the state coaches meet. One of the cooler events that's put on by the MSTCA each year, uh, Sharon High School hosted it this year, Nasus Monique Malcolm, big stage, wins the 200-meter dash in 25.44 seconds. Um, he had DY's Tiana Basie, who's kind of seen reemerge here, mm-hmm. the Louisville Battle Senior. She finished second in the discus with a throw of 123.4, finishing behind um, – a uh, girl from Seekonk who's going to end up going to Harvard next yeah. year. So no shame been in that. Her, I believe has been her biggest competition oh, yeah, absolutely. this year and I think last year too. First name escapes me. I believe it's Garabedian. Something, something like, like that, that yeah. yeah. So she's been a great athlete. Um, 
And then a quick shout-out, too, to two-time defending Falmouth High School mile champion Grace Connolly and Natick. She broke Shalane Flanagan's two-mile meet record That's at this meet at 10, 10 minutes, 25.93 seconds. And Flanagan actually retweeted the video of that mm-hmm. and gave her props. So it was a nice kind of cool moment there. Uh, Connolly, as you profiled before, actually used to summer down in Falmouth right by the track and would actually train on yeah, that track she, beforehand. Yeah, she worked at the little Jack's uh, uh, deli that's right there. And then I guess you know when she'd have breaks, she'd go do mild uh, sprints right next door. But she's been an incredible athlete, yeah. and, and she knows it too. And she also won the mile in that event. And you can just see the pictures, the gaps that she has on the mm-hmm. field. She really is just in a league of her own. And even though she's an off-cape athlete, yeah. we almost claim kind of partial ownership just because of how she's done in that Falmouth High School mile and right. the fact that she's summered here. So That's the uh, Tommy Dockery mile at the part of the Falmouth That's Road right. Race. So that just, she doesn't go to Falmouth High School, just so that we're clear about right, that. Yeah, she, yeah. She's here in the this summertime. This is a summer event, right? Yeah, it's the high school championship that's part of the Ro- Falmouth Road Race weekend in uh, late August. So, And then on the boys' side, too, we had Cam Kirko, who we've talked about before, outstanding football athlete, mm-hmm. um, finished second in the high jump at 6'4". And then he had uh, UMass football bound Xavier Gonzalez getting the shot put and finished fourth in the event with a toss of 47 feet, 10 and a half inches. Um, and then you get another athlete from DY, Kevin Arsenal, really, you know, starting to improve. I think he's a sophomore, um, you know, hit a PR of 426.65 and finished fourth in the one mile. So he's certainly starting to turn some heads a little bit and it's going to be a big part of DY's success moving forward. And especially when we talk about ACL track this week, the ACL championship is supposed to be Tuesday at Sandwich High School. That's now been moved to Thursday mm-hmm. at Sandwich. Um, one of the more competitive meets as we were talking about, um, on the Cape and, um, you know, NASA girls knocked off DY, the defending champs, last year. Be very mm-hmm. interesting to see if they can um, defend their title this year. I wouldn't sleep on the Marshfield girls. <laughs> I, they did win the uh, the ACL dual meet, you know, regular season title. So mm-hmm. they have always. I accept. I expect that they'll win the boys uh, meet again because usually they win it quite by quite a bit, but they right. c- they could sweep it this year. That wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, the one of the things with these league championship meets is the points are so much more spread out this is because true. you have the other teams kind of factoring in as mm-hmm. well. So that kind of takes away maybe some of those teams that have a little bit more depth if you have top athletes kind of displacing yeah. them. So, you know, it, it should be a tight class, I think, on the girls' side this year. But you're right, Marshfield's boys in the past have dominated, especially with their running and their distance runners, especially been able to put them mm-hmm. – some gaps on the field so but if you have a free afternoon on thursday and the weather's nice track meets are real fun they have this kind of long easygoing kind of atmosphere to them that then have these brief periods of intensity they're re- i love covering them so if you're if the weather's good and you want to go over to sa- uh, sandwich you'll have a good time i promise the spring jacket is always windy over there indeed <laughs> not as bad as dy though dy it's a wind tunnel i don't know why <laughs> Um, they should put up a, you know, a wind generating right. turbine or something. And on that note, I think that'll just about do it for us on this episode of Cape Sports. Now, if you missed any of this, you can go on our Facebook page, um, or you can visit our website, capecottimes.com slash Cape Sports. Now I can download the podcast, Google, um, anywhere podcasts are found. Apple uh, podcast app. Yeah, whatever. Android, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with the rain happening, follow us on our Twitter page at sports CCT to find out. Um, updates on games, uh, time changes, all that stuff. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Steve underscore Derderian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm at Matt Goisman, M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. We're off next week, and then the following week will be Tuesday, so the day after Memorial Day. Hope everybody has a lovely Memorial Day, and we'll talk to you after that. 
Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.